are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to bring you a message now for a little while. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes when we mention the Lord's Prayer, people immediately think of our Father who art in heaven. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's the model prayer. And that can be prayed only by Christians, because no man can call God Father except by the Spirit. God is not your Father. Ye are of your Father the devil, and the lusts of your Father ye will do. But I want to talk to you about the real Lord's Prayer, which is in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. The 17th chapter, this is the prayer of, that Jesus prayed for his disciples just before he went back to heaven. And it begins with, it begins with this. These words spake Jesus, the 17th chapter of John. We have glimpses of him going to and from his places of prayer. We have sketches of his prayers here and there. But this is the only complete pearl of all the great necklace of prayers of Jesus that we find on record. And it begins with these words, spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. What hour? The hour for the cross, the hour for the bloody sweat, the hour for the completion of his task and the fulfillment of his Father's will and for the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. The hour has come. Did you ever notice that God never runs ahead of time or behind time? He always moves with exact precision. And for that reason, he said, for that reason, he said this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son at the proper time. Oh, I heard them sing, did they search through heaven and found a Savior? No, they didn't search through heaven for a Savior. They didn't have to. Because Jesus knew he had to die before God ever made a man. And before man ever sinned, he stood as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And through the sacrifices and through the bleating of the lambs and the, bear, and the lowing of the oxen and the burnt offerings and the turtle doves, he moved steadfastly. On until that day when he said, The hour has come, glorify thy Son. You said, well, that's a selfish prayer, not when you pray the rest of it, that thy Son may also glorify thee. What does the word glorify mean? That means make thyself more real to thy Son, that thy Son may make thee more real to the world. But that thy Son may make thee more real to the world. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. You say, Dr. Lakin, that's the prayer I'd like to pray. The prayer to be glorified, I'd like to be glorified. But did you ever stop to think what Jesus had in mind when he said that? What was between he and his glorification? Jesus had just said, except a corn of wheat should fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. He knew that before he could be glorified, he had to be crucified. So therefore he's saying, Crucify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. Oh, you'd like to be glorified, but you do not care to be crucified. Someone said that you never see the rainbow except you see it through the raindrops. 
Neither will you see a glorified life unless you see it through the teardrops of Calvary. A lot of people like Easter Sunday, but they don't care for Good Friday. They like Easter Sunday, but not Good Friday. They like Resurrection Morning, but they don't like Crucifixion Day. But you'll never see, you'll never see a glorified life until you see it through the teardrops of Calvary. Therefore, if you will but say what today say, I'll get on the cross and be glory, be crucified, that I may be glorified. That's what Paul meant when he said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which I am crucified unto the world, and the world unto me. Paul saying this, there are three crucifixions. First, Christ is crucified. And second, he said, I'm crucified. He said, as far as the world's concerned, I'm dead. As far as the world's concerned, I don't exist. Why? Because I've been crucified and I no longer live now. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not live, I do not exist. For me to live now is for Christ to live again. Oh, I would, God, I could get that down in my own heart to realize. For me to live is for Christ to live again. For me to live is to be a sort of an incarnate Christ walking up and down among men. For me to live is for my, uh, for my neighbor to have Christ for a neighbor. For me to live in a block is for my neighbor to have Christ living in the block. For me to live is for my grandson and my great-grandchildren to have Christ for a pop-up. For me to live is for my wife to have Christ for a husband. For me to live. For me to live. What's it for you? For me to live is pleasure. For me to live is glory for myself. For me to live is riches. For me to live. Can you say from the depths of your soul today, I've been to Calvary, and for I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live now, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, as far as I'm concerned, the world does not exist. Somebody said, Dr. Lincoln, the world has no attraction? No. For as I'm concerned, the world has no glamour, it has no glitter. I do as I please, but I please to do what he wants me to do. Amen. For me to live is for Christ to live again. And he said, as far as the world's concerned, I'm crucified. Did you ever stop to think about that? As when you come out and out for Christ, when you've really been born again and fire baptized and and dedicated to him, and you have an old-time, old-fashioned, genuine case of old-time salvation, and you walk up and down the streets and give a few hoops for glory, my friend, they'll rake you off of their list. Did you know that? They don't invite me. A lady said to me, a lady said to me, I got invited to a bridge party. What do you think? I said, they never do invite me, so I don't know what. They know who to invite, amen. Let me tell you something, my friend, for me to live. The world, and the world doesn't recognize me anymore. And a lot of people are not willing to be stigmatized. A lot of people are not willing to die like that. For me to live, that's what it means. 
Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. Glorify thee. Fifty-six years ago, I walked out of myself and into him. And I saw if I would honor him and glorify him, I've got to think less of me and more of him. Amen. Listen, glorify thou me. Listen, let me show you something. These words speak Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. Now notice his prayer. He said, I pray not for the world. I pray not for the world. Oh, I heard a man preach once, and he said, Lost man, Jesus is now at the right hand of God for making intercession for you. The only thing about that was it wasn't so. I've had a lot of my good preaching spoiled by finding out it wasn't the truth. It made pretty preaching. It just wasn't so. Amen. No, he's not at the right hand of God intercessing and making intercession for lost people. Why? He's at the right hand of God making intercession for his own people. That's what I'm talking about. The unsaved man has no covenant with God. You remember when Noah was in the, was in the ark? You remember when Noah was in the ark? And that was the thing that saved him and took him across the flood. Somebody said the thing that saved Noah was, was his knowledge of the ark. No, no. The carpenters that built the thing knew more about it than he did. The thing that saved him, my friend, the thing that saved him was not his works. He didn't have a hole. He could put a paddle out and help pull. All he could do was sit in there and sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. Oh, you say he was perfect. No, he wasn't. He got drunk as soon as he got the other side of the flood. He wasn't perfect. You said, well, what saved him? He had a perfect ark. That's what saved him, amen. Don't care how high, how hard it rained, how high the waters rose. Old Noah sat in there absolutely safe. Absolutely safe, amen. That's the reason I know I'm safe, amen. I'm safe in him. I pray not for the world. But he said, when he came out of the ark, he said, Noah, I put my bow in the heavens and it shall be a covenant between me and thee. Not between me and the dead antediluvians, but between me and the ark people. It shall be a covenant between me and thee that I will never again destroy the earth by a flood. One day after they landed on this side of the flood and the storm came and the thunders roared and the lightnings flashed and Sister Noah said, I believe, Noah, there's going to be another flood. And Noah walked out and looked up and saw the rainbow. And he said, Honey, no, there'll never be another one. There's the rainbow. That's the thing he placed in the heavens and said, This is a promise that I'll never again destroy the earth by a flood. I'll never again destroy the earth by a flood. The ark is there. The rainbow is appearing there. That's my covenant. Did you ever notice a rainbow is always turned up and never turned down? And it's unstrung with no arrows? Why? Because they've all been shot in the heart of God. And there, my friends, I look up to him today when the, when the trouble comes and the trials come and I'm about to be overwhelmed and I say, I believe I'm going to be lost. I'm going down. And then I look up and said, no, there's my rainbow sitting at the right hand of God that said that you'll never come under condemnation because you've passed from death unto life. And I said, hallelujah, and grab my staff and go on again. That's what I said. Can't do it. I used to say he was up there holding my name engraving in the palm of his hands, but that's not true. That wouldn't be good. 
Why? Because there might be a hundreds and thousands of people by my name, but he said he doesn't, he's not holding my names up, but he said my image in, is engraven in the palms of his hand, and that's what he's holding up before the Father. Now, you know, that's pretty good to have my picture he's holding up there. Now, yeah, there might be a hundred people by my name, but no mug ever looked like this one, amen. <laughs> and when he, oh, hallelujah, when he holds that up there, he said, I know how you feel. I pray not for the world, but for those that was given to me out of the world. God's greatest gift to this world was Jesus. For that, uh, God's greatest gift to the world was Jesus. God's greatest gift to Jesus, the people for whom he died. And in that some peculiar way I can't never quite understand, he took those given ones and carried them yonder and paid the price for them upon the cross. For those that was given to me out of the world, for thine they were, and thou hast given them to me. Taken out of the world. What did he do with us? No, not seclude just somewhere yonder. Not seclude yourself and hide yourself away somewhere. But as thou hast sent me, even so send I you, taken out of the world, sent back into the world. What for? On the same mission that Jesus Christ came into the world on. You know why he sent you back into the world? On the same mission that he came on. What? To seek and to save that which is lost. And that's the business of the church, is to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the thing, what? Build churches and colleges and universities and seminaries and mission stations. Do that. That's what he's talking about. Do that till he comes again. And that's the reason I like to invest in something. I like to invest in something that's a going concern. That's the reason I like to put it in this thing here. You know, I don't like to invest in a, in a, in a dying thing. Even a rat will jump off of a sinking ship. I like to put my money in something that's going. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. That's what I like to do. He said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so send I you. And that's your business, is to win souls and build souls till Jesus comes back again. And he said, taken out of the world, sent back into the world. And he said, they're in the world, but they're not worldly. He said, these are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. They're in the world, but they're not ships in the sea. But when the sea gets in the ship, that's a tragedy. And when the world gets in the church, I don't know whether the church is a little worldly now, or the world's a little churchy, I can't tell hardly. They remind me, a lot of Christians remind me of a chameleon we have down in Florida. I got one one day, a brown, he put him on brown, he turned brown. Put him on red, he turned red. Put him on blue, he turned blue. Put one on a piece of scotch plaid one day, and the little fella busted himself. <laughs> Trying to make good. Oh, be the same color all the time. Said the bats and the birds, the beasts and the birds all had a fight. And when it looked like the birds were winning, the bat would pull his wings out and be a bird and run over on the bird's side. And when it looked like the beasts were going to win, he'd pull his wings in and be a mouse and run over on the bird's side. Just back and forth. What you ought to do is be a, a beast or a bird, one, all the time. Amen? Amen? That's what I'm telling you. These are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And he said, taken out of the world, not of the world. And because they're not of the world, they shall be hated by the world. Don't you worry. This old world's no friend of grace to help you on to God. And they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer 
persecution, but don't you be afraid of it. Why? Because it said, keep them, Father, through thy name, taken out of the world, sent back in the world, not of the world, hated by the world, but kept by the power of God. Amen. Amen. There I am. And the devil said, you think the devil's going to get you? He doesn't know where I am. My life is hid with Christ. He threw mud at me, but he doesn't hit me every now and then. He peeps in and says, how are you getting along, son? I said, nothing's hurt me so far. I'm held in the hollow of whose hand the seas rage and roar. I want them to be with me that they may behold the glory that I had with thee before the world was. He said, I want them to see how much I gave up to come and die for them. My mother came from Tazewell County, Virginia. And she was always wonderful about talking about her blue blood, you know. Came over the mountains. And I, but she was all, but I said to my mother many times, you must have been beautiful when dad first saw you and fell in love with you. You must have been beautiful. Before your hands were calloused and your face was wrinkled and your hair was gray, I'd love to have seen you when dad fell in love with you. But you know something? He said, I want you to see me and see what I look like before I came down in that world and let them spit on me and nail me to a cross and lash me with thongs. I want them to see what I was in my pre-existing glory. I want them to see. One of these days, by the grace of God, I'll see. And when I do, I'll sing. I'll sing, and I'll sing all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prosper forth. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.